VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com, and I'm absolutely delighted to be back with you again this week. Um, I'd firstly like to start by saying a thank you to uh, Sean Brickell, who was our guest last week, who was talking to, with me about confidence. Um, I was really pleased not to receive any complaints. He was, it was the first X-rated show that we've had as he was talking about how he'd infiltrated a swingers orgy party um, when, while working for a newspaper. Um, I'm pleased to say there was only some great feedback on the show. So do take a listen. It's, uh, it's interesting in a number of different ways. Um, I'd also like to mention that on last week's show, um, I, I mentioned the My Achiever program. And if you'd like to have a free consultation with me over Skype to understand your needs and how I could help support you and your business growth, then send me an email to chris at bemoreachievemore.com. Uh, due to the success of the program and the massive business growth of some of the group, I've decided to significantly develop it, um, this uh, group mentoring concept this year. And with an incredible network, I've been fortunate to develop. Uh, there could be the opportunity to learn from some amazing people in 2013, not just myself. Now, recently... We had a real rock star on the show, a Chris White from Dire Straits. And today we have a completely different kind of rock star guest. Uh, though I believe, like myself, he also dreamed of once making it big in the rock world. Now, by the end of today's show, we're going to understand how to massively increase your probability of success when it comes to obtaining uh, private equity funding for your business. Now, according to my guest in the current economy, uh, 99% of entrepreneurs pitching for private equity funding, they're just not successful in getting it. Now, this is not because investors no longer have the money to invest. It's usually because those pitching have never been given any proper mentoring. And as a result, their pitch is not up to scratch, and investors are not convinced that they fully understand their own business, nor is their business plan appropriate to get them to invest. Now, if you've ever seen the TV program, The Dragon's Den, where product creators present their ideas to a seasoned group of investors with money to spend, you'll have seen that for yourself. Now, my guest today, I saw speak at a large conference recently, and he really, really impressed me. Uh, Jonathan Farl is the founder and managing director of the Rockstar Mentoring Group. It's part of the Rockstar Group of Companies. Uh, Jonathan set up the Rockstar Mentoring Group back in 2007 and wanting to create a model for all types of businesses to benefit from what he calls real mentoring. Now, the Rockstar Group helps entrepreneurs to create the best possible chance for funding to be granted. And so far, his clients have achieved a 75% success rate, which I think is pretty amazing. And so he seems like a fabulous person to talk with me today about this subject. His first experience was at Goldman Sachs, where he was uh, had a mentor who set him a financial goal to achieve within six months. And he said the goal was achieved by month four, and by month six, it was 44% better than expected. And then secondly, was in London Property, where his mentor helped him buy 26 properties in London in his first year. Uh, so Rockstar 
now has companies in mentoring and property in three different parts of the world, as well as vested interests in nine private companies that he's invested in. So pretty amazing progress, um, considering he started in 1997. Um, Rockstar um, now is mentoring. I mentioned, I mentioned to the uh, areas of the world that he's in. He's, he's still only in his 30s. And Jonathan is really driven, successful entrepreneur. He's passionate about working with entrepreneurs who are determined to see their business grow. So it's a, an absolute pleasure today to welcome uh, Jonathan Fall. Well, thank you very much, Chris. It's wonderful to be here. You're welcome. And I, I've got to ask you, Jonathan. I, you, you called uh, your business the Rockstar Group, which is, <laughs> is an amazing name. You know, it just conjures up something very exciting for me. I wonder if you could maybe share with us, you know, how did that name come about? Why did he call it the Rockstar Mentoring Group? Yeah, it, was, uh, it, it, it came to me walking down Fulham, uh, Fulham Broadway uh, back in 2006 when I was uh, – coming up with different business ideas. Uh, when I when I used to work at Goldman Sachs, I also, for fun, um, with obviously the, the hidden dream of one day being the next John Bon Jovi, I used to be a lead singer in a rock and roll band. So I used to arrive to Goldman's every morning in a pinstripe suit and tie and handkerchief and leave in the evenings with a ripped jeans and a leather jacket. I actually had an amplifier under my desk <laughs> and... Um, and enjoyed music, and music's always been a passion of mine. And so when I was walking down Fulham Broadway, you know, coming up with different business ideas when I first uh, moved over here from, from Australia, I, um, I was trying to think of a brand name that didn't have to be pigeonholed in a certain sector that would be memorable and that would, that would stand out. So I came up with the, with, the, with, the, with the idea of Rockstar, and then when I did a bit of research on the actual name, I, I saw on some website that it said that the word itself is the third most memorable word in a positive sense behind the words sex and free. So... I thought about that and I thought, well, I wasn't going to call it the free mentoring group and I certainly wasn't going to mentor people on the other one. So I, uh, I, I stuck with Rockstar and it's, uh, it's worked very well. Fantastic. Well, maybe you and I should get together. I'm looking at my, my Marshall stack at the moment and uh, I can, uh, I can uh, play a few Bon Jovi numbers. <laughs> we'll, have a, we'll have a jam one day. I'm actually looking at my, uh, my Fender acoustic sitting right next to me here in the office. So <laughs> maybe we'll have a jam later. Fantastic. I'm into, I'm into Paul Reed Smith as my stuff on uh, my guitar. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so so let's, uh, let's move on and chat about private equity funding. So how about telling us for a start from your perspective, you know, what is it? Well, private equity funding is when you have either an individual investor, so a wealthy individual who we all know as angels or, as the BBC will call them, dragons, individuals who have got cash, who they are looking to invest in private organisations. So they're the individuals. You've then got private equity funds, which is obviously a, a private company that has raised money from other institutions and individuals, and they're too looking for in private companies to invest in or, or, or various other assets, right up to the third and largest category, which are the venture capitalist funds, who deal with much larger uh, much larger investment sizes or companies that uh, that they look to uh, obviously invest in to make a return on. So th they're the three different uh, the, the, the three different categories of what uh, of what private funding is. Fantastic. Are, are there any other sort of terminology or that we need to be aware of when we're looking at this area? You mentioned angels, which 
and dragons. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, dragons. Obviously, let's 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 not use that word. I mean, we've just we've just did a, a recent advertising campaign said, "Why be a dragon when you can be a rock star?" So, <laughs> I mean, that was that was a term, you know, which 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 the BBC didn't created a fantastic show of, and uh, you know, in its eighth year now. So, it's, but but effectively, no. I mean, you've got you've got angels, you've, and they're the ones who will deal with. Uh, smaller size investments, typically 50,000 as a minimum, up to 2 million pounds. Private equity firms tend to deal with 2 million to 10 million. Some of them will look a little higher. And then obviously venture capitalists, you know, they're looking for the 10 million plus. Obviously, of course, there is inter- uh, 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 you do have angels who will look at more than the typical. You have venture capital funds who will start at 5 million, but they're the basic categories of of definition. So if you're looking for if you're looking for startup capital, fifty thousand up to two million, that's typically angels. Anything between two and ten, you're looking at private equity funds. Anything over ten million, uh, you're looking at VCs. Fantastic. And I mean, how big is this marketplace? I imagine it must be pretty huge. It is. Um, it definitely isn't as rampant as it was pre-recession. So pre two thousand and seven, where Venture capital funds and uh, and other forms of funds, such as hedge funds, were uh, were being given uh, very large sums of uh, of debt from 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 investment banks and other forms of lenders. So that allowed them to in, to invest in more sectors, uh, but especially within the angel market, which I think for at, at least our customers and probably a lot of your listeners as well, the angel market actually has become a lot more buoyant since the recession because of the recent tax advantages and, and government, uh, government initiatives which, uh, which has allowed uh, uh, individual investors to benefit from, uh, from a tax perspective uh, by, by investing in, uh, in private companies. Fantastic. So, so when we were chatting, and I mentioned in my introduction, you, you, um, preparing this interview, we, you were saying that you know, about 99% of people actually fail companies fail when they go for funding. Um, why is the failure rate in obtaining funding so high and what are people doing wrong? Well, we spent six months researching this very, very strongly before we decided to see with what we already had as an organisation, see if we could actually find a solution to what is a huge problem. And this was in 2010, which was right in the heart of the recession. Banks weren't lending. Uh, the, the, the tax incentives that angels now have weren't really uh, uh, complete and, uh, and were being taken advantage of. So the, it was a huge problem where you had existing businesses that really needed the cash um, uh, or, or the investment to either stay afloat or grow uh, were taking place. But then you also had a number of investors who weren't making any returns from the money in the banks and were looking for other alternatives. And so when you combine those two key factors, the rate of failure of getting funding just continued to go up and up and up. And so when we researched it, we came across four general reasons as to why people in general aren't getting investment. And this this means and when I say people in general, I'm talking about whether whether you've got a pre startup idea right up to an existing business that is profitable. And the four main reasons are this. The first one, of course, is the quality of the business plan doesn't get past the first paragraph and thus does not get read. Investors are busy people. They're looking for opportunities and they're experienced people. So it's very, very easy for us to decide whether or not this is an opportunity that is interesting within the first two paragraphs of an executive summary. 
And if it's not written for an investor and not catchy and not clearly identifying the key points that one needs to know, it's not going to be read in, in full. You don't have the attention of the investors. And a lot of those cases, it goes straight to the bin. That was the main reason. So you have to make sure you're writing a plan that is that is written for an investor rather than written by the MD for the MD of that company. The second main reason is if you have a business plan that's written very well, investors start to read it and they start to get excited. But where they really get frustrated is when the valuation comes into play. And that means if an investor is looking at an opportunity where the client is asking for or the business owner is asking for a million pounds investment and they're offering a, a well, actually, I won't say a million pounds. I'll say a hundred thousand to be to be more relevant to the listeners. So, so they're reading a business plan and the, and the, and the, the client is asking for a hundred thousand pounds and they're offering a 10% stake in their business. So as far as the investor reads that they're now valuing this company at a million pounds. And where investors really get frustrated and, 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 and deals fall over from that stage is if the company is nowhere near an actual valuation of a million quid, then the, 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 the business owner is overvaluing their company. And that therefore shows the investor that they're not experienced. They don't know how to value a company properly or they feel that the, uh, that, that, that the business uh, hasn't really thought about this from an investor's perspective, and that puts the investors off. So that's the second reason. The third reason is if you have a business plan that looks good and then it stacks up in valuation, then you are invited to come in and pitch face-to-face -to, -face to the investors or via an internet site, via video, as some other firms now do. And the quality of the pitch and the quality of the management and also the questions that are going to be answered, if those don't stack up, then that's where most businesses do fall over at the stage of the process of getting funding. So most investors now will give opportunities to people to sit in front of them and pitch, even if the plan or valuation might not be up to scratch, because if it looks interesting, they want to know about the individual. They want to meet the team. They want to see the people who they're investing in, because it's just about the individual just as much as what they've written down on paper. But unfortunately, because a lot of people who are pitching haven't had that successful experience before in raising funding for a company, they often do fall over in the, front, in the interview, which therefore gives the investor uh, another reason as to why they don't feel comfortable investing. Mm. And then the final point, the final fourth reason why so many people don't get it is because now with the new tax incentives, you actually have seen, as I said before, an increase uh, in angel investors wanting to look at different opportunities. So there are a lot of investors who are out there now who are new to the game of investing in private companies, and therefore they're happily uh, wanting, to, uh, wanting to get in front of and hear as many pitches as possible. But the reality is if that individual investor doesn't know anything about the sector, hasn't got at least friends or contacts who he can rely on to give him the advice on that sector. It could be the best pitch in the world, the most amazing business plan and evaluation. But if that individual does not feel comfortable with their own knowledge in that sector, then that's the final reason why, why, why people pull out. And I guess, yeah, we're going to have to go to commercial break in a, in a few seconds. But I, I mean, that makes so much sense for people who may be 
their involvement in this or their awareness of it comes from watching the Dragon's Den, and maybe we should rename it the Angel's Den. Um, you, you know, that makes sense because often you see people who don't come with a clear plan, completely don't really understand the valuation principle, and then and then they're pitching. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it's easy to understand, so I can really take what you're saying. So we're going to go to commercial break now, and what I'd love to do after the break is just explore these in more detail with you, Jonathan, if that's okay. Perfect. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Social media is growing at an astounding rate. In just virtually five short years, we have seen YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter take the world by storm. How do you effectively make social media work for you? Tune in to The Social Universe with host Kurt Wilhelm. We'll show you how to market your business or yourself to get ahead, especially in unstable economic times. We'll also discuss practices that you can apply to increase visibility and revenue as you unlock the mysteries of the social universe. The Social Universe is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of bemoreachievemore.com and cc1consulting.com. I'm with Jonathan Farl at the moment, and we're talking about uh, about uh, investing and private equity fund, so private equity funding. And, and Jonathan and I were chatting in the break, and uh, one of the things I was asking him, and I, and I often see this, and I'm sorry, Jonathan, if my context here is the, the dragon's den, um, more than actually having been in this situation myself. But um, I, what I do notice is that there is often people are not always clear when they're going for funding, whether they're going for the money or they're going for the connections or um, having an investment backer with uh, experience. I mean, what's your take on that? What should your objectives be when you're trying to obtain funding? Good question. I think if you are looking for funding, you need to know and be able to explain exactly what that funding is for. Uh, obviously, the term mentor, uh, and I'm, look, I'm happy to talk about Dragon's Den, so don't worry about that. But the term mentor now is being used a hundred times more in the series that you see today than you than you saw when it first started. Because a lot of individuals who go in there, they do say it's not just about the money; it's about being able to have you as my mentor, being able to leverage off your contacts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But even still, the only investments that those guys and girls sign up to 
are the ones where the individual business owner can clearly say, I need £50,000 and it is going to be used for this area of the business. And I can prove to you that if you give me this amount of money, if you give me that 50000 I intend on turning it into £200,000 by doing this. And that's the only way that you can really achieve investment in small business today. The two massive do not do's from any pitch or any business plan is to say, if we use the figure of £50,000, I need £50,000 for a marketing strategy and to pay myself a retainer to go forward and live. Mm. Those two key factors put off investors like you would not believe. Because I, and I personally am of that view as well, you know, entrepreneurs who start their businesses without funding, you know, they, they, they take the risks, you know, and I've, you know, I've, I've, I've been one of them as well, you know, you take the risk, you know, you, you're not relying on someone else to pay you. If you need to, if you need to eat, then you need to be out there selling. And investors get very frustrated with individuals who say, I haven't sold anything yet because I need a marketing budget to do so. And I totally disagree with that. I think if you've got passion combined with a product or service that you've tested the market for and you've got individuals who have said, if that product or service existed, I would pay money for that. Then for the cost of a train ticket and maybe a new suit from Marks and Spencer, go out and sell to them and get the orders and prove that you've got something that works because they're the businesses that attract the right mentors. They're the businesses that attract not just the mentors, but the capital required if they can prove that they've done X with a a shoestring budget and then imagine what they could do with some actual marketing capital behind them. And they're the angel deals that really, really uh, uh, fly off the wall. And I guess the ability to be able to sell well I suggest versus certain characteristics in in the individual in terms of their tenacity and their drive and proactivity um, versus maybe marketing, which might be seen as being a little bit less proactive, perhaps. Well, I can tell you're absolutely right, but I can tell you from experience. When I started Rockstar, the biggest mistake that I ever made, and I had capital that I could waste, unfortunately, um, was I wasted money on every marketing strategy under the sun, which was completely wrong for what I should have been doing. And hindsight obviously showed me that uh, that uh, you know I, I made the mistake, but God, I would have saved myself thousands and tens of thousands of pounds had I had I thought about that beforehand. People can't rely on marketing purely for sales. It's not about how you get people in. It's about what you're saying to them when you're in front of them. It's about what you're creating for them, what solution you're providing them. And ideally, the, the best marketing strategy is to have people come to you who are looking right now in their life for what you offer. Hmm. Yeah, Jonathan, I think that, that what you've just shared there, you know, for anybody who maybe is spending quite a bit on marketing and not enough on selling, focus selling right now, you know, that is a lesson there that took me a few years to learn. And it's a very, very important one to running a, a small business. You've got to get out there. You've got to, got to be selling. It's so essential. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's um, just sort of move on to that. I mean, you, you have quite a unique business model. I mean, what, what got you into the model that you operate with? Because I think it's quite fascinating what you do. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I mean, I, 
I'm just passionate about mentoring because, and I call it real mentoring, um, because I've experienced it. Uh, I still experience it today. I have I have Oliver Rothschild, uh, my chairman, who, who who still is my mentor, who keeps me in check and makes me accountable to achieve goals on a monthly basis. Uh, but 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 when I worked at Goldman Sachs, I was very very fortunate enough to have a very senior person within the sector that I worked in to work with as a mentor on a one-to-one, face-to-face basis. And I knew going into that first meeting that we were going to be together for six months. And in the first meeting, he set a goal for me. And that's the key for what mentoring is all about. Those two key things there is, number one, take a, if you're going to have a mentor, then find someone who you want to emulate. Because that's what mentoring, that's where it comes from. It's from the Latin word mentore, which actually means to emulate. You know, that's what a real mentor is. A real mentor is someone who has absolutely been and done and achieved what you want to achieve. And you work with them over a set period of time to achieve a specific goal for your business. And and I've had the privilege of, of, of having two of those mentors, once in, in my post-career in investment bank. Well, it wasn't. I was in private wealth management rather than investment banking but worked within a bank at Goldman's, um, and the second was in property. And it, people ask me all the time, what's mentoring? And in a nutshell, it's learning from someone else's mistakes rather than your own. But if you're going to do so, learn from the mistakes of someone who just hasn't made mistakes their whole life but hasn't achieved success, which unfortunately there are a few people out there who call themselves mentors and they say, you can learn from my mistakes, but if they're still making those mistakes, then I'd be careful about taking their advice. Uh, so you want to learn from someone who has been there and done it. And, and so what I wanted to do with Rockstar is I wanted to create a whole team of real mentors. And over the last five years, we've now built up a team where the average Rockstar mentor is someone who has started, built and sold on one of their own companies for an average price of 18 million pounds. That's a, a fair old sum. Um, and, and so what, um, I, mean, I mean, are there any, you mentioned those kind of four things, the planning, evaluation, inviting, pitching, etc. Is there anything else that people need to know about to obtain a good financial backer? Yes. The third thing is the people. Uh, as I was talking about before, there are dozens of firms who are out there who can write a business plan for you and write a valuation for you. And, uh, and, and that's a great thing. Some of them are very good. Some of them aren't so good. But the, the most important thing that, I, that, that, that when we did our research, because, you know, we, we'd been running purely as a mentoring company for, for three years at the time. And in 2010, when we added the private funding side to our business, it was because so many people weren't getting funding. We had a whole team of you know, wealthy, successful entrepreneurs who had time and had money and were looking for opportunities themselves. So it was an obvious addition to what we did. But the biggest thing that's worked for us and the reason why our success rate or our conversion rate is so high is because whatever sector the individual is who comes to us looking for our support, what we do is then we choose the most relevant mentor that we've got on our books and not only do they start mentoring that company to get the plan right, get the valuation right, but their name and their background and their CV goes into that client's business plan and that mentor actually now becomes part of that business. So when they have spent however many hours it takes to get the pitch up to scratch, 
what happens is the mentors call me and say, Jonathan, we are now ready to go. Please send the opportunity out to the most relevant investors. I do that and I'll only call the investors who, I mean, let's stick with the example of £50,000 and let's say it's an e-commerce business opportunity. So out of all the investors, you know, most of, some of which are the mentors or a lot of which are the mentors, others are private equity funds, others are angel investment groups. If someone, if one of the mentors has spent the last two months getting a £50,000 investment for an e-commerce business ready, the only people who I'm going to call up are the angel investors who I know would look for a £50,000 e-commerce solution. And so when the meetings are set up, the investor will always take that meeting because they know it's a rock star opportunity. So it's come and it's been through a filter. And the great thing is, is that when the pitch takes place in front of the investor, the mentor is sitting next to our client doing the pitch with them and finishing off the pitch by saying, if you do give us this money, I am going to stay on as the mentor in this business. And you can see from my CV that I've done this before and I know what I'm doing and you've got every faith that and you can trust me in the sense that we're going to make this work. And so they're the two key unique elements that have made the conversions for us so high. It, sound, it sounds, uh, I mean, when I first heard it and talked it through with you, it just sounds a, a very, very intelligent and sensible way to go through the process. Um, so really valuable some i think what you've created there jonathan we've just got a couple of minutes to before we go into a commercial break now um but i just wanted to ask you now let's look at the kind of process and i just wonder in a couple of minutes that maybe you can articulate what makes a investable business plan that's a great question first thing is please please try and show us that what you've done so far prove that you've got a market for what you've got that's the most important thing and it's so easy and cost effective to do so if you have a business idea it's either going to be a product or a service that's they're your only choices you're either going to create a product or a service and you're going to be fulfilling someone's needs or someone's desires so you've, you know before you've spent a penny, you know exactly who you think your customers will be. And it's very easy to go out there with a, either a very cost-effective prototype or just a PowerPoint slideshow and say to an audience of 100 people who, you're, who, who make your ideal customer base, this is what I'm looking to create. If this was created, would you pay money for it and how much would you pay for? And that is the bare minimum for any pre-startup who is serious about getting funding. If you have already gone out and made those sales, then that's fantastic. You've proven that you've got it. Then you need to make sure that your model is actually profitable. So that's very important as well. There's nothing worse than seeing a, a business that's selling £2 million worth of stock, but they made a gross profit of £5,000. Those sorts of investment opportunities put investors off too. So it's how can you, if you're already out there selling product, how can you very show and clearly show to the investors that I've done this on a shoestring budget, I've, I've sold £100,000 worth of stock, let's say. I've made a £30,000 profit. If you give me £200,000 now, I can show you and I can prove to you that that money's going to be spent on or invested, never used, never spent, but invested into, into XYZ, 
And we've shown that we've done it with this amount before. So if we do that with 200,000 pounds or 100,000, whatever it is, we anticipate that our growth is going to be X, Y, Z. And we can do that because we've done it already. And they're the key first things about the plan. And then finally, it's your ability to sell it, to be able to be passionate about it and for the investor to buy into you. They're the three key things. Fantastic. That gives a really great blueprint structure uh, in terms of what you need to do, I think, for a successful business plan, an investable plan. So thanks very much for that. I'm looking forward to having a, a chat with you in a couple of minutes again after the commercial break about the next sort of steps in the sequence. So um, we'll have a look at um, – I think it would be really interesting to have the conversation around valuation because I know that's something people really do struggle with. So I'll be, we'll be back with you again in just a, a couple of minutes. So do join us after the break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. What's really going on in Washington? Listen as two of Washington's most experienced insiders, Howard Marlowe and Michael Willis, divulge the strategies of the key players affecting legislation and policy matters every week on The Inner Loop. Unlike most talk shows, which feature hosts that have little to no experience working with the federal government, The Inner Loop is hosted by two professionals who actively work to influence federal policy on a daily basis. The Inner Loop is heard live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchieveMore.com and CC1Consulting.com. I'm talking with Jonathan Fall, and we were having a, a great conversation um, um, before the break around, you know, what are the key constituents of an investable business plan? And uh, the thing that we're going to come on to now uh, that I'm really interested to get a response from you, Jonathan, is how do you really go about determining what the valuation is going to be? Are there some formulas behind it? advice here? Absolutely. So the, the, the best way to do it is your valuation will always be separate to the content of your business plan. So with a business plan, the key things you need to be telling an investor, and you can do this within 15 pages rather than the 65 pages that people will see. So just on the business plan, and then I'll talk about valuation. 
the the business plan is to think about it. You know, or what I said to people is put yourself in their shoes. Okay, put yourself in the investor's shoes. What would you need to hear if you're going to sign a check? First and foremost, how much money do you want? Tell the investor from the word go in return for what equity stake, and that's where that's where valuation comes in. The third thing is what the money's going to be used for, and then the final thing is what is going to be my return on that investment and over what period of time. So they're the key things that a business plan needs to show. And the second thing about what equity stake are you offering comes down to your valuation. So how one measures the valuation is there are numerous softwares that exist out there. I mean, obviously, we've built one ourselves along with a business plan template, which works very easily and simply for uh, for businesses who want to create a valuation and have it stack up. Now, the key thing that we have to do from a business plan perspective is to ideally, there are two things. If you've already started your business and it's already up and running, then you need to show the last year or two years of existing sales, profits, EBITDA, and uh, and uh, any costs or debts associated with the uh, with the organization. Most people, however, if they haven't got a trading history as it stands, they're building forecasts for the earnings that they're going to be achieving in that in, in that business. And that's where a lot of companies try and build their valuations from. And so the key thing that you'll see a lot of people do is they build it out to a five year valuation. Their business plan says the current market has 20 million people in it and we're looking to get 1% of that market, blah, 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 blah. That That's very, very unrealistic in terms of the fact if you haven't actually traded or turned a profit or made a sale yet. So a couple of key things to understand about how to value your company. The first thing is you need to know, firstly, have the right software to be able to do it. But firstly, get rid of the five-year forecasts. I mean... Rockstar has been going for five years. Did I know in 2007 when I set it up that we'd be doing what we're doing now? Could I foresee that? Could I foresee the revenues that we'd be earning now to what was forecast? No, not at all. No one knows what's going to happen in a year's time, let alone five years' time. The maximum time frame you should be putting in your business plan in terms of valuation and forecast is three years. But the key thing as well is this. You cannot expect an investor to get to get excited about the first year making a huge loss, the second year making a tiny profit, and of course by year three he's going to be earning fifty million pounds. I mean the the number of business plans you see that are written like that are also thrown in the bin. In these times, you you want to be expecting a profit in year one. If I'm giving a fifty thousand or a hundred thousand or a million pounds in year one. Investors want to see a profitable business ASAP, not by year three. So that's the first key thing. Now, I know just in certain technologies and tech sectors, that is almost impossible to do, but not everyone here is in tech in the Silicon Valley. So if you're trying to raise money, make it as profitable as possible as soon as you can. Now, when it comes to your valuation, the key thing that investors look at is your EBITDA. Now, your EBITDA, what that stands for, it's, it's, it's three, the five letters are E-B-I-T-D-A. And that stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Now, what this is, it's a measure of a company's cash flow before certain deductions. Now, it allows investors to see how much money a company is making or anticipates to make 
before taxes, depreciation of assets, and amortization. Now, what we then do is we build a valuation on a multiple of EBITDA. So, and just, I just thought I'd quickly interject, Chris. Is this too? Is, I hope this is simplistic enough. Yeah, uh, it's it's simplistic enough for me, Jonathan. I'm I'm uh, following, so I'm even making notes on it at the moment <laughs> as you go through it. <laughs> I'm, I'm mindful of time, though. So, um, okay. Yeah, so if we well, can, I'm, I'm coming to other the components that we need to do. Yeah. So, 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 so in a nutshell, when it comes to valuation. Focus purely on three-year forecasts and ideally show exactly what you've done already. So you should have operating uh, accounts already. And you can then create what your EBITDA is. And an investor will create a valuation based on a multiple of EBITDA. And that can be anything from three times EBITDA up to 20 times EBITDA. And the valuation that is given comes down to the sector that you are in and what the investor and the and the business feels they can achieve in terms of growth over that period of time so companies like companies within tech within technology tend to have a much higher multiple than something of a basic manufacturing company let's say this this um gives us some indications i guess if you know where these multiples lie potentially where you might want to develop your business in perhaps absolutely absolutely and you need to and you can research that you know anyone can get on the internet and google what is a typical ebitda of a company in my sector the best way to do it and i'll give you another tip as well the best way that you can and we actually did this with it with it with a company recently where we were trying to raise a substantial amount of money for a firm and and a couple of investors had questions over the multiple of the ebitda that we had but the reason why we put it, the reason why we put a high EBITDA on it is because one of our existing competitors had an EBITDA much higher than ours and had achieved a private sale and then an eventual flotation onto the AIM market. So one of the great tips that you can do if you want to increase what your valuation can be is if you can find an existing company that's raised funding and has grown substantially, then look at what their valuation is at from an EBITDA basis and then give yourself a more conservative valuation. And if an investor can see that other people in your sector are doing it already and other people are valuing companies in your sector higher than what you're offering, then that puts the investor at a much more relaxed way in terms of where the valuation is. Fantastic. I mean, one of the key things I, I take from what you've said here is, is if you're not able to, in your, in your plan, able to identify being able to make a profit in your first year, then maybe your timing's not right. Maybe you've got to put more time in terms of planning and, and developing to get yourself in a state to be ready to uh, put yourself forward for investment. Is that a fair assumption? Or ask for a smaller amount. Yes. That's yes. the other thing as well. Because people don't need to see a twenty million pound return on investment within five years if you're asking for a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand. You know, investors are realistic. Let's not forget that the recession that we've just been through and whether or not we are now still, you know, I, I, I don't really pay much attention to that these days because small businesses are growing and uh, unemployment's on the uh, on the decrease. And, and I'm very positive about where the British economy can, you know, will be going and it's going to be the SMEs who take it forward. But so you don't need to try and sell the world is what I say to people. If you're asking for £100,000, all you need to do is prove to us what you, or 20,000 or 50,000 or 300,000 or a million, whatever it is, 
just prove to us what you you know what you've done so far explain and show proof of exactly what the money's going to be used for and how you can then create a multiple of your ebitda to show that you're going to make a very good return on investment but it doesn't when i say don't sell the world people aren't expecting to invest 100,000 pounds to make 20 mil or 5 million pounds that's not what they're looking for we're looking for individuals in sectors that we believe have got good growth potential and we're willing to take the risk to work with young businesses to achieve a great company which might make a couple of million quid in a few years but it's about the enjoyment of seeing that business grow great stuff jonathan i just uh, the content here is so helpful and, and valuable that I just ditched the next commercial break. So um, we're not going to have another one. We're going to keep on talking right till the very end. Um, can, could you, um, can we move on now to um, getting the team right and, and doing the pitch well? Um, how do you go about uh, making sure that the, you know, the right team is, is involved and you are very successful in that pitch process? Okay, first and foremost, you've got to have someone in the team who has done it already. You have to. They're not, you know, one thing that you don't hear many people say, and I'm surprised, is if you are a young entrepreneur or age is, age is irrelevant, but if you're an entrepreneur and, you, and you've got a business and you're looking to raise a quarter of a million pounds, if you've never had or the business has never had a quarter of a million pounds in their bank account, you are going to struggle to get that funding. You will struggle because the, one of the big concerns that angels have is in the pitch is, yes, I like this person. Yes, this person comes across well. Yes, they seem to understand the industry and the sector, but that's not enough. And often People don't finish off by saying that's not enough. You've got to have someone in your team, whether they're a mentor, whether they're a non-exec director, whether they're, I mean, ideally if it's the MD themselves, who have in the past built up a company, sold one on or raised finance previously in another company that is relevant to the sector. So they've got experience in knowing what to do when, when they have a large injection of cash into it. So that's one key thing. You want to be, before you open your mouth, you want to be going into that pitch with a credible person in that team who, when the, when the investor starts to question the credibility of the team, that person can put their hand up and say, I know what I'm doing. And that's why Rockstar has worked so well for people, because people who are listening to this think, well, you know, where do I find such a person? And the great thing that we've built is a whole network of people that, that, that people can choose from. If you can find them yourself, brilliant. But but, you know, realistically, if, if they're difficult to find, then, 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 then we can help you. And then, of course, once you're in, in front of the investor, always understand that you are selling. You are making them an offer to give you a lot of money to make a return. So you are selling to them. And so, therefore, as I say to anyone, when it comes to sales, put yourself in their shoes. Before you go in there, take a moment and ask yourself this. If I was this investor and I walked in to pitch to me, what would I need to hear to actually get a yes out of this individual? And if you, if you just take a moment and think about that, you know, you start to come up with different ideas and points that actually, as a young, I keep saying young, I don't know why I keep saying young, apologies, that doesn't, you know, age is irrelevant. But as, as, as a switched on entrepreneur, you know, nine times out of ten, whatever you think, in, whatever you think you, you'd like to hear, you're right. 
So you go into that pitch and you have an understanding as to what you think that individual is going to want to hear. And, you know, let's do it now. What do investors want to hear? They want to see the most risk-free way of putting money into something that they're going to have fun with, where they're going to build trust and rapport with the people who are behind it. And they can see with as much certainty as possible that they're going to make a great return on investment over a period of time. You know, that's what that's what angels are looking for. Makes a makes a lot of sense, uh, and I think what you were saying earlier about you know you need to partner up with somebody or find somebody with who's been through this kind of process before. I mean, actually, I guess if you get to that situation where you're you're pitching for money and you haven't met people like that before, um, you know, it sort of questions. You've got to start questioning to yourself: Is it just a maybe a pipe dream? that you're uh, you're going through or you're on a, a bit of a, a mission or something um and is it and is it more just um that you're following a passion as opposed to it necessarily being a, a, something that you can generally make money out of so I mean, i'm just wondering in your with your view is that uh, you should be seeking out these people anyway before you're going for money or people that you know in your network who um, to bounce your idea off absolutely absolutely and, you know, whether it's whether you need funding or don't, you know, that's the key thing. So many businesses that think they need funding, they don't need funding because most people say I need money for a marketing plan and I need money to live, as I was saying before. So for me, I would turn around to anyone who says that because that, that's an immediate put off straight away, as I was saying earlier. It's asking them the question this. Who is your ideal customer? You know, who is the person who you want to be selling to? And ideally, that's going to be a company, you know, a firm. Most businesses in the UK are now B2B services. You know, from all the events that we run and all the pe- hundreds and thousands of people I, I speak to every year, most British business owners, small business owners have B2B services, which means they're selling a, a business service to another business. So their ideal customers, whether it's you know, I want to sell to John Lewis or Harrods if it's a retail product, or I want to sell into SMEs throughout the UK, or if I want to sell to accountants or lawyers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, what marketing budget do you think will ever get anyone like that? You don't need a marketing budget. What you need is someone who can get you the warm introductions to your ideal clients. And that's one thing I say to people. I and mean, we spoke before about we spoke before about, uh, you know, you've got to sell. You've got to prove that you've got a business that people want, that you've got a product or service that people want. And I say this to all the time. I say the easiest sale you will ever make, the easiest sale you'll ever make is when someone's at a dinner party one night and they lean over to their trusted friend and they say, hi, John, do you have a solicitor who can help me out with company law, as an example, because I really need someone right now who uh, who you know and trust, who can fix this problem for me. Your friend says, absolutely, I know this guy. Call him on Monday. That's the person for you. And when that person calls you on Monday, the deal is basically done because you've got a referred person and they're looking for what you've got straight away. And the great thing about what the, you know, the, the, the finding a mentor, whether you find it yourself or you, or you do it through Rockstar, is you can imagine the black books of these of these mentors. So if you're looking for someone in retail, for example, and you, and you want to get into the big retail stores, I mean, one of our most uh, well-connected mentors in retail um, happens to be the ex-CEO of Adidas International. 
So you can imagine he knows a few people because he ran Adidas for for seven years. Mm. So just to get that warm introduction into the companies, that's what you need. And you could have a million pound advertising campaign that still wouldn't get you in front of the key buyers. So so that's the key thing. Whether you're looking for funding or you just want contacts to sell your sell your product or service, leveraging off contacts is the most important thing that mentoring can do, in my opinion. Great. So. Something that you you were saying earlier on, which uh, kind of rang a, a sort of a bell with me, is uh, something maybe people don't think about is um, if they're wanting funding. Are you have you been careful in maybe identifying the person that specific person or persons in the marketplace that you might want to pitch to? Um, so I wonder how do you ensure or recommend that people pitch and select the right person to talk to? Well, if you're trying to do it yourself, you basically will rely on angel investment networks and groups of which Rockstar is one. It's very difficult to do that on your own accord because what you what you tend to find is, is that, as, as I said before, you've got a lot more angel investors in the market now because, you know, they're not making the sort of returns they made from the, shop, the, the stock market or from money in the bank accounts. So and now with the new tax incentives, you've got more investors who are out there willing to sit in front of and listen to different businesses. So that's not the issue. The issue is not getting in front of the investor. So your, so your, your, your question is, how do you find the right investor by yourself? That's a really good question. And it's something that if you were to do by yourself, it would take you a while and you'd have to kiss a few frogs or at least pitch your business idea to investors who, you know, in the end, do not say yes to you. Um, and you're right, that's a difficult thing to do. And as I said, that's why we spent six months researching and then another six months putting the team together where we asked them, what sort of deals are you looking for? Because we will only ever offer opportunities that, that, that fit your requirements to you. Whereas the young person or the, or, or, or the entrepreneur who's, um, who's trying to find that investor will happily pitch to anyone. I mean, I've said before, you know, most entrepreneurs who are looking for private funding will happily speak to their neighbor's dog's vet's brother if there's an inclination that that person might have money to invest. But unfortunately, you find yourself wasting a lot of time and it doesn't do much for your confidence to be, be, be told no 20 times before you're told yes. So it's a difficult question. And, and to answer it, it's hard to do yourself. And uh, just speaking honestly, you can rely on angel networks who you send them the business plan. They know their investors and then you're able to um, you're able to, you know, leverage off their network to do that for you. Makes a lot of sense because and I guess not only that, uh, once once you have got funding from them and they've got an involvement in your business, you need to be able to work together, don't you? So there's, I guess, there's a personality fit uh, with the Invest. I've worked for big companies that have been owned by investors, and sometimes the tension is quite unbearable. Mm. No, it is. But also understand, too, that a lot of angel investors don't have the time to, uh, to spend that, the, 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 you know, to be the mentor in, in inverted commas. Um, you know, they've made the investment. The money's in there. They're obviously wanting to see what the team can do. And obviously, there are some angels who absolutely get that, you know, roll their sleeves up and really get involved with it. But a lot of them don't as well. And uh, and that's what our research also showed. And so to have someone sitting opposite the investor who started, built and sold a company for an average of 18 mil, that works really well because the angel can then say, all right, 
I know this is in good hands. I'm not going to be called at three in the morning on a Sunday night being asked for help. Um, you know, I know that I've got the right team in place and it gives them more confidence to, uh, to put their money in. Yeah, that makes, uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, so we've got about, we've got three minutes to commercial break right now. Um, I just wondered if there's any, uh, about maybe a minute or so just to answer the question, this question, Jonathan. I, I wonder if you've got any kind of key, key kind of messages or takeouts that you'd like to leave people with, um, before we end, end today. I think the key message is, is no matter what your product or service is, please, please spend the time proving to yourself that you've got a market for it. Don't write a business plan that's 60 pages long talking about how you're going to revolutionize the world or the sector that you're in if you haven't sold anything or at least gone out and asked your market if they would pay for what you've got. You will save yourself so much time. And that's the key thing first. The second thing is please, if you can leverage off someone who's been there and done it and worn the T-shirt, then get that person into your business plan as either a mentor, as a non-exec, or maybe even an active director in the company. Those two key things alone will absolutely get you in front of people. And then the final thing is make sure your valuation stacks up so that you can then move forward with an investor who uh, sees that you aren't trying to pull wool over anyone's eyes and that you understand what the valuation is. Great advice. I think that's, this has been an absolutely fascinating show. And I think not only for people who are seeking investment, Jonathan, I think there's some really, really good, grounded, valuable business advice there for anybody who's uh, running a, a business, you know, actually going back and listening to this and looking at some of the key things you've shared and asking yourself the question, do you have a robust business plan? Are you selling enough? Um, uh, and uh, are, are you getting out there and networking enough and using your network to leverage your business? Are you taking this seriously with with key timescales? Do you have a good mentor that's helping you um, get to where you want to get and quickly? So I think um, this has been hugely valuable. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And um, for, so, thank you very much, Jonathan. And to find out more information about the Rockstar Group and Jonathan, and to obtain a free uh, business review, and if you're looking for uh, considering funding for the future, I think it's going to be really important. Um, www.rockstargroup.co.u. That's www.rockstargroup.co.uk. So check that out. Um, if you're looking for to be part of a, a group kind of mentoring program. Um, uh, looking to develop um, your sort of small business with and, and build your network, uh, then that's something that I can help you with. And uh, get in touch with me at chris at bemoreachievemore.com. Um, on next week's show, we've got uh, Nick James. And Nick James is going to share with us um, some amazing wisdom on product launches. He's an absolute master and works with many great companies to help them effectively launch products online. So do join us again next week for that. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Um, so please send them to Chris at BeMoreAchievemore.com. Uh, join my newsletter at BeMoreAchievemore.com. I'll tell you what other shows are coming up. And feel free to leave any comments and link up with me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BeMoreAchievemore. Have a fantastic week. And again, Jonathan Fall, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. 
thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.